Welcome to the first episode of Books with Jen. These podcasts are going to be about an hour long and hopefully I'll be bringing them out once a month or so and we're going to be talking about books in all of their various forms, stories, where they come from, talking to authors who make them, lots and lots of different things, maybe edging into other territories too. We'll have to see how we get on. I think we're all going to be embarking on this adventure together. I don't have a solid plan. I just like to keep this quite organic and see where it takes us. And hopefully it'll be a bit of fun. And if you're listening to this podcast on YouTube and you would prefer to download an audio file to take with you on the go, then there is a link in the video description where you can go and download it. The first episode today um we're going to be looking at stories and the origin of stories i was worried about starting this podcast actually initially i'm not sure why um i was doing all my research on it and looking at different podcasts and thinking okay because i have done radio work before um not running a radio show but being interviewed on radio so i feel like i had that kind of experience and then i remembered something that i used to do when i was younger which i thought i would tell you guys about because it is faintly ridiculous one of those things that you're very embarrassed about after a few years but 20 years later it's just quite funny so when I was young I think maybe when I was about 10 I think I might have been older but let's say I was 10 because if it's much older than that then it's just it is still a bit embarrassing I think I was about 10 but for Christmas I used to make people podcasts except they're not called podcasts, but they were cassette tapes. I, and not mixtapes whereby I would, you know, record my favourite artists or whatever and make a mixtape and give them to people. I would make a radio show very obnoxiously <laughs> and cheaply. I would record myself reading some of my work into a cassette tape and I would give it to my grandma for Christmas. And this is my where you might be thinking, oh, Jen, have you gone and found one of those old tapes and you're going to play a bit? No. <laughs> Maybe in the future, if I get very drunk, I'll share one of those in the future. Probably not, though. I don't even know if they still exist, actually. I'm going to have to ask her about that. But I wouldn't just re- record my work one after the other. I would present it like it was a show. And not only that, this is so ridiculous... I had two cassette recorders, so I would record into one me speaking, and in the other one, I would make a guest host. So I had some audio tapes of the scripts of The Vicar of Dibley, uh, when that used to be on television. So it was literally just the audio from the television show, which didn't really work most of the time, because the audience would be laughing at something you can't see because there's no visual. Anyway, I would cut bits of Dawn French's speeches or, you know, narrative from The Vicar of Dibley and insert them into the audio of the tape that I was making for my grandma so it sounded as though I was having a conversation with Dawn French and presenting a show with her. All these links of conversation were quite tenuous, it didn't really sound like we were having in-depth conversations but that's what I used to do. So really, totally had all of the practice that I need for making a podcast, had it 20 years ago, on it, done, let's go. <laughs> so sadly, we won't be joined by Dawn French today. It's just me, but we do have some great people coming on later. We have got Claire Fuller, who's the author of Our Endless Number Days, which is 
a wonderful, wonderful novel, one of my favourite books in 2015. And then after that, um, I've got my lovely friend Lena, who runs the YouTube channel Just Kiss My Frog. We're going to be writing together um, and reading those stories out to you, which hopefully will be somewhat entertaining to listen to. But before I lead on to the interview that I did with Claire, Claire's book touches on fairy tales, and I have made quite a few videos on my YouTube channel, which I'm sure you guys have seen. It's youtube.com forward slash Jen V Campbell about fairy tales original fairy tales or collected fairy tales um, from well-known people such as the Brothers Grimm and also modern retellings of fairy tales be that in novel form or short story form or poetry you can go to my channel and find all of those there. I'm not going to be giving you recommendations of books here today you can find lots of those in my videos but I will say that the reason that I think I love fairy tales so much is their anonymity um, and how they've changed to reflect culture and the time and the place that they have been written and that has just altered over the course of history and you can trace some of these stories back but some of them don't they come to dead ends you can trace fairy tales back so far you can trace them back into the classics but the term fairy tale was actually thought to have been coined by Mary Catherine who was a countess um, and she ran literary salons in the 17th century and she's thought to have coined this phrase fairy tale and in the literary salons which were prominent during the period of the enlightenment as well where philosophers would talk women would actually also come into these literary salons and it was a way where they got their education because they were not mostly permitted to be educated in a formal environment. So the upper class women and lower class women too, literary salons had a mix of different people from different backgrounds. They would go there and they would listen to people talking about the topics of the day. And one of those topics of the day was fairy tales and fairy tales would always encompass what was happening at the time. So Victorian fairy tales often encompass a lot of science because that was what was going on at those times. But in the 17th century with these literary salons, the women would also be there and they would help adjust the story. Not that they're mostly credited for that, but there's quite a lot of interesting research if you want to go out there and look into that about these women who helped craft these stories and inserted quite sexual and oppressive storylines through them about kings and class and women being owned by men and then these fairy tales would go and be performed by men in the court so women got a way of telling their stories within fairy tales never having their name attributed to them apart from in the case of Mary Catherine and a few others like Virginia Woolf said anonymous was probably a woman and I find that really interesting how these whispered anonymous authors can influence stories and literature and history and we don't know much about them and that can be said for a lot of fairy tales I'm not just talking about women in fairy tales I'm talking about original creators of stories themselves we don't know where they came from really at the heart of it we know people who've collected them and brought them together like the brothers Grimm and others like them but we don't know where those voices came from they are the collected voices of history the collected voices that alter and change as time deems necessary and reflects whatever is happening in the world at the time and that is what literature does as a whole and i just find it absolutely wonderful and we're going to be talking a bit more about that with claire we're going to be talking about where stories come from where we get our ideas from and that's something i'd actually like to explore in later podcasts too if you guys would be interested in that and i'd be more than happy to delve also more into the history of fairy tales and the influences of different cultures and 
how tales that we've come to know and love these days actually originated because they are not in the forms that we know now. In the 17th century, they were very sexualized and they were for a predominantly adult audience. And then that shifted towards children in the Victorian times where the sex in fairy tales was lessened, but the violence actually increased. Whereas now, these days, we are brought up on Disney fairy tales, which is a whole other story together. So I do find that subject rather fascinating. Let's move on now to the interview that I did with Claire Fuller, who, as I said, wrote our Endless Numbered Days. So I'm in the Penguin offices at the moment with the lovely Claire Fuller. Hi, Claire. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Claire is the author of Our Endless Numbered Days which is excellent. Well done. Thumbs Thank up you. to Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Endless Number Days is about a girl called Peggy who is taken into the woods in Germany by her father, who is kind of part of a cult, really, isn't he? And he thinks that the apocalypse is happening. So he takes her into um, this hut and they spend nine years there. Yeah. And she thinks that the world has ended and then she realises that it hasn't, which isn't a spoiler because you find that out from the beginning. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us a bit about how it came to be and what writing you might have done before or how you approached it yep Uh, which i'm sure is not a question you've ever been asked before (laughs) ever i'll try and make it sound like it's the first time i've said it okay um uh well i i am very nearly 49 and Mm. i didn't i started writing when i was 40 so not very long ago really in the great scheme of things and i started writing short stories mostly some flash fiction and then I enjoyed that, so I decided I would go and do a creative writing MA. Mm, where did you do that? Winchester, which is where I live. I had a full-time job. I had teenage kids at home, so it, it was logical that you know, it was just down the road from me. Mm. Um, and on that course, I was doing um, a screenwriting module. Not that I want to be a screenwriting screenwriter but the alternative was non-fiction and I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do so I chose that module Mm. and my lecturer suggested that we bring in a new story um, to kind of inspire us and the new story I chose was about um, a teenager called Robin Van Helsom who appeared in Berlin in 2011 saying that he'd been living in the forest in Germany for the previous five years with his father. Do you remember? No, I don't remember this one at all. It was kind of international news at the time. And his father had died in an accident and he'd buried him and he'd walked back to civilization. And he couldn't remember anything before those five years. Okay. Um, And so I thought that was just an amazing story. It is is a really interesting story. Um, it actually turned out that Robin had made it all up. Eight months later, it was discovered that he'd just run away from home, which is, you know, it's it's a different That's, story, and sad story yeah, too. Yeah, very sad. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was the idea of someone living in the forest, mm. really, that kind of got me hooked. You know, how would they survive? What would have taken them there? What would have brought them out at the, you know, when they came out? And had you... Did you know the whole st- news story before you had that idea? Or when you started it, were you thinking that he had come from the forest? When I started it, yeah. he, he, he Did you had... feel betrayed in some way when you realised <laughs> he hadn't? Well, or were you slightly relieved because it was no longer his life story that you were writing about, yeah, really? I think I was relieved yeah. because otherwise people could have said, well, you've just you know, lifted this whole yeah. thing. Whereas um, it was, it was, that was just the kernel, really, mm. of the, the idea. That's amazing. Yeah. You did a screenwriting course. Might you then write a, a film script for 
our endless number uh, of days. I've got my lowest mark in my ME for that one, sure, so no. <laughs> we won't tell anyone. <laughs> Everyone pretend that you didn't hear that. I actually, you know, even if that, even if I was offered that, I think I would say no. I think um, the little bit of screenwriting I've done, mm. um, you, you can't write any description. Yeah. And, and that's what I, I really love writing, description of the landscape and of people and things. And that's all, there's none of that really in, in a screenplay no that is true and I did uh, now thinking about it would question how that would work as a film I suppose because it is about her we're not going to spoil anything here for anyone who hasn't read it but her creating this past remembering but also creating aspects too and that would be quite difficult I suppose to show Um, though I was surprised how good the film of Room is which I guess has a similar element in that they're in a room and it's a child narrating and I did think question how is that possibly going to translate into um onto screen but it does and I think it probably helps that Emma Donoghue wrote the screenplay mm. herself but yeah no that would be interesting so you wrote this while you were doing the MA in screenwriting yes mm. so so after I submitted my um my assignment for that module and I got a really low mark I and I decided I'm not going to be a screenwriter I I turned the story into prose and then carried on writing and in fact I finished it before I finished the MA or before I had to submit my dissertation I submitted it to agents and and got a publisher Mm. um, before the course had even finished and how much did you know about the book trade before you did all this submission process nothing absolutely no, nothing. But I, you know, there's loads of stuff on the internet. Yeah. So I, I researched that you, you know, you have to send out submissions to agents and send them exactly what they want and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. then hopefully you get a publisher. Yeah, absolutely. If anyone is interested and hasn't seen it, I uploaded a video last week um, on how to get published, which is all of those stages, trying to break it down because it is a bit overwhelming. Yeah, There's so much yeah. information out there and lots of people telling you to do different things. Um, so once you had a publisher and how has that experience been for you, the publishing process? Is it everything you hoped it would be? Uh, it has. It's been quite an eye-opener. Mm. I mean, I can't say exactly you know, what, what I had imagined and what's different. But, you know, it's like when you start a new job yeah. and you don't know that industry at all and you learn everything about it. Mm. So uh, everything has been, everything's been great fun. What, what, uh, maybe what surprised me most was how long everything takes. Yes, it is quite a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was about 19 months from when Penguin bought my novel to when it was published, which... Yeah. You know, and now I understand perhaps why that happens. Mm-hmm. They want to put it in a particular slot so yeah. that it doesn't compete with any books. Then all the slots previous to that might be filled. Yeah, and there's they've the editing the, process. The they've editing got to get the sales jackets, teams out into bookshops. All that all stuff. Of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, but it, but for you, when it's like, oh, I've done it now. What, why is it happening? Where, where are the things? <laughs> Let I me mean, do the things. <laughs> I, I'm sure I'm. I can't remember who it was. My dad or somebody said, "Oh, great, you've sold your book." Will it be out next week? Or, you know, <laughs> no, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's sweet, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice, that enthusiasm. And have your family behaved? They have. They've, yeah. No, go embarrassing going into bookshops. Oh, no, my mum does that all yeah, the time. Yeah, my grandma does that Yeah, too. my mum stops mm. the postman, and she goes into boots and hands out my... You know, it's not just bookshops. She Any goes, shop. She hands them out. Not books, little postcards. And oh, that's and, and I had a signing in the town where she lives, and she invited yeah, the postman and people in other shops, and, mm. and none of them came, of course. 
Well, I think that that's really nice that she's done that, though. Though I can understand your frustration when you're sitting in the corner going, Mum, like, I feel like a teenager again. Please stop all this embarrassment. (laughs) The role of the author these days has changed quite a lot, especially, I would think, in the last maybe 20, 30 years. Um, Maybe much more in, say, the past five with things like Twitter and stuff Mm -hmm. and being very present. Um, And there's lots of discussion about whether or not that is a good thing and whether it takes away the magic of the author but I think it's quite a nice thing seeing that authors are present and you can see how much work they put in instead of them being put on a pedestal in a Mm. corner um, and revered as someone who just produces this magic yeah. from nowhere. Yeah. Which is what I thought happened. Oh no. <laughs> and now you know. <laughs> yeah. As you sit at your desk crying yeah. over your computer thinking, why am I doing this? No. Yeah. It took me a long time to realise that writing a book is really about editing a book. Yeah. You know, I thought I thought the books were created in a first draft and they just came out mm. from an author so so that has been a, a yeah, bit of a shocker although I love editing so that's fine yeah well it's so much more comforting isn't it when you've actually got something on a page that you, you can, can work play, with yeah. yeah instead of staring at a blank yeah. screen yeah. yeah so you're writing your second book at the moment finished? oh you finished your second one already yes I was absolutely really made sure that I finished the first draft of the second book before the first book came out because it was such a long period Mm. anyway but also I you know I didn't know what would happen with the first book I thought if it if it flops I'm gonna think why am I bothering or if it's successful I'm gonna think I can't do that again yeah so so I wanted to get the first draft down a first draft for me is actually relatively polished mm-hmm. there's still lots of editing to do but the mo- most of the story is there um so yeah that's finished and i think it's early 2017 can you tell us now. anything about it yeah mm-hmm. it's called swimming lessons yeah it's set in dorset by the seaside so there's still lots of nature in it but perhaps more watery and it's about a woman called ingrid who writes letters to her husband about their marriage um but it, she doesn't give them to him. She hides them in the letters that he collects. Sorry, in the books that he collects, and he collects thousands of books, mm. second-hand books, and he collects them for the things that people leave inside them, and the notes that they write, the marginalia, and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So she leaves adds the letters. Them. She adds mm-hmm. to that, um, and then she disappears off the beach in Dorset. She's gone. No one knows what's happened to her. Um, and then there's a second strand in the book where her. Now, adult daughter comes back home because her father has had an accident. She wants answers to what happened to her mother without realising that actually what she's looking for is actually physically surrounds her Mm. in the house. That's amazing. And I like that the answers are in books. Mm. I think that's very poetic. (laughs) So, yeah, going back to fairy tales, Our Endless Number Days has a lot of inspiration from fairy tales, Mm. obviously in that forest setting where Mm -hmm. so many fairy tales are told. What do you think it is about forests that inspire those kind of stories? Mm-hmm. I get uh, maybe, yeah, it's the kind of darkness mm. of, of them and the idea that anything could kind of happen, anything could be hidden behind the trees or... Um, Which I guess is it stands somewhere in the middle of a horror story and something that could be wonderful. Yeah, it could yeah. actually, couldn't it? It could be great, lovely things that happen. And I think there are some joyous things that happen in our endless number of days, but yes. also 
some very dark things too. Just a bit. <laughs> just, just a little bit. Um, but I love the imagery in it. And I think um, I was chatting with my friend Holly about it, who's, who's also on Booktube. And she said one of her favourite bits in it was creating the piano out of oh, wood. Yeah. And she loved that image. You'll have to read it to find out more. I'm not going to be telling you any more about that. But what are some of your favourite fairy tales that you remember? Um, I guess Rapunzel in the book. Mm-hmm. Peggy, she's the main character, the narrator. She gets, she calls herself Punzel after Rapunzel. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, I really, I do really remember that story. Mm. Um, although it's funny, isn't it? All those fairy tales and women's point of view is you know the woman always has to be um caring and beautiful and or terrible and old yes i I guess so one or the other yes but the heroine type character Mm. um so i kind of liked playing with that rapunzel person Mm. you know that in the in the fairy tale she waits for the prince whereas in the novel she she careful, doesn't. careful. Yes. <laughs> How do I put this? She's in charge of her own story, in, yes, a, in a way, because yes. in, in the same... I guess, in an overall sense, she's not. Her father has taken yeah. her there. He is in control of where she is right now, but she is in control of how she tells her story. She puts mm-hmm. her twist on her own retelling of her yes. own fairy tale past. Um, is that how you saw it? Well, kind of. Because when I wrote it, it really is quite hard to talk about this without giving things away. I know. <laughs> but to me, she's telling the real story that she believes rather than she's put a twist on it at age 17, mm. which is, seems to be how you... I, I almost saw it as if she was creating the story for her mother to protect her mother because her mother okay. didn't understand and she didn't want to... Um, you know, after coming back and being away for so long to tell her mum the truth all in one go seemed that maybe it would be too much. Um, But I guess it's a way of her protecting herself and her family as well. So I guess it's a whole host of things altogether, which is why it's so good, because you can read it in so many different ways. But I'm a huge believer in that, you know, an author writes a book, it's out there a reader reads it and they're going to see completely different pictures yeah. than than I've than I have in my head mm-hmm. and those are just as valid as mine because all I am now is another reader yeah um and so I love it when actually right readers say oh I saw it this way or I saw it that way if they don't get the ending then maybe you know they've missed something yeah but but if they take different interpretations like you were just speaking Mm. about um I I think that's a great thing I I, think it is too it's lovely I remember watching um an interview between uh, my friend Chintzia and she was interviewing Kirsty Logan who wrote The Grace Keepers and she's like I love how you've like named this this after this because of the fairy tale aspect and Kirsty was like I didn't know that existed that's amazing (laughs) like I will claim it is mine and pretend that I meant to do that yeah there are so many things that you might even do subconsciously or just happen and you haven't realized or someone else finds and you didn't think was there at all I think that's I agree I think that's wonderful I get a bit cross when some authors get a bit protective of their work and they're like no this is canon and this is the only way it's, a, it's I don't think that that's what literature is no. it's for everyone yeah I'm actually going to see Sleeping Beauty tonight the ballet but I have actually already seen it before um and in this in Matthew Bourne's Sleeping Beauty he adds vampires into it and it's all a mm. bit different and the first time I went to see it there was a woman sitting next to me and during the interval she said oh this is a bit dark isn't it 
they've changed the fairy tale <laughs> and I couldn't help myself I was like have you have you read Be- uh, Sleeping Beauty um, and, and she said well no I've, I've seen the Disney film and I was this like okay you. let me enlighten you yeah. <laughs> but you know, anyone who doesn't know Sleeping Beauty is put to sleep and she is raped and she wakes up giving birth to I think twins yeah. uh, and it's really it's, horrific yeah. um, we kind of glide over that why do you think fairy tales now so different how they used to be and because I think in the past they were passed down for adults Mm. and they've been rewritten for children and so they've been tamed you don't want your children to have nightmares you're trying to read read to them to send them to sleep yes absolutely I think that's changed because I think the original grim stories were for adults weren't they I think think it was a mixture of things they were community stories that would be told around a campfire Um, so I think if the children were still awake, they would hear them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, I think they were told to maybe teenagers. So not just young children. So Little Red Riding Hood has been changed a lot over the years. But at, at some points in history, is used as a do not go off with strange men message. Yes, yes. Um, and there's a lot of slut shaming in it and things like that. Um, there's a great book called Little Red Riding Hood Uncloaked, if anyone wants to go and, and find that. It has uh, the tale throughout history and all the different mm-hmm. messages that it has been... Um, used for um, are there fairy tale elements in your new book in your second book not so, not so much or if there are I haven't spotted them so the third one that you're writing now you're ahead of the game <laughs> yes. well I want to do the same thing again I'd like to have a first draft finished before um, swimming lessons comes out early next year so I've got a whole year to, yeah. to write that do you have any advice to someone who wants to write read read and read and read and read lots and try and read some things that you like try and read them try and analyze why you like it what works for you Mm. and then things that you don't like why it doesn't work for you and try and write the book that you like to read because then that's going to be easier you're going to be more enthusiastic about it that kind of passion for it is going to show through Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's and keep going yeah absolutely <laughs> keep going keep reading is yeah. it philip pullman said read like a butterfly and write like a bee yeah yeah nice. i like that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pollinate <laughs> and finally last question what are you reading at the moment or what's the last book you read and loved oh i just finished uh, mothering sunday by graham swift Ooh, is which it good? i think is out maybe it's march april can't okay. remember i absolutely loved it I've ne- I haven't loved a book this that much for a year, which doesn't sound very long, but I read a lot of books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, it's very, very short. I just wanted it to be longer. I read it so slowly, so oh. to try and make it last, it's very beautiful. What's it about? It's set in the 1920s, and it's about a maid who has an affair with a young man who's much higher social status than her, and... It's set mostly over one day, although she's looking back mm. when she's 80 or 90 to this particular day and what happens. It's quite kind of, it's beautifully written in a circular kind of a way, in the way that memory works. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you never remember something and th- very flatly, you know, you, you kind of remember something and then you might rem- go backwards and remember a little bit more and then go forwards. Mm. Very clever and very beautiful. I think that sounds amazing. I might have to check that one out. Yeah. Thanks very much, Claire, for letting me ask you lots of questions. And we're going to move on to the next session of the podcast now, which is um, with Lena. So over to future, but also past me with Lena to talk about fairy tales. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.
You're going to put your tea down. Oh, Sorry. She's actually slurping. Pudding? She's <laughs> slurping. So guys, welcome to... Well, this is this is a part of the podcast, the new okay. podcast. Welcome to episode one, Lena. You're at the end of the tiny podcast. Tiny maracas. Oh yeah, she's made my headphones. headphones. Tiny maracas. Theme tune. It's it's what, <laughs> it's what they've tuned in for. <laughs> so we are sitting in my living room, and Jean bought lovely Jean over at Bookish Thoughts. Oh, this is Lena, by the way. I should probably introduce you. This okay. is Lena from Just Kiss My Frog. She makes great YouTube videos, don't yeah. you? Yeah, they're all right. They'll do. They'll do. They're they're on a journey. They are. We're all going on it with you. I feel very attached. <laughs> so I'm here with Lena. She has a YouTube channel called Dish. Dish? Called <laughs> Dishy Lena. <laughs> no. Okay, so I'm here with Lena. I'm here with Lena, who runs a YouTube channel called Just Cause My Frog. And Lena was actually the person who convinced me. Convinced me? I convinced you. You did. You convinced me. years of old. <laughs> Back way when. Jen was just a mere Sunday Times best-selling writer. Take two. <laughs> and she was actually the person who convinced me to set up my own YouTube channel. I was going to say back in the day, but it was only last year. Okay, so. I know. Good times, good times. I've had no hand in this, though. This has been all off your... Yeah. <laughs> I'm not taking any responsibility for whatever this becomes. So they're called Story Cubes, and these are the Enchanted set. And Jean got me these for my birthday. Sadly, you can't see them because this is audio. But trust me that they are dice that are covered in pictures that symbolise certain tropes in fairy tales. So we've got things like mirrors and a ring, a flower, a castle, and there are three of them. Each die has six different illustrations on them and we roll the dice and then each of us are going to write a story that is inspired by some kind of fairy tale, either just by having fairy tale elements in it, like forests and whatever happens to be on the drawings that we roll. Um, and then we're going to read them out to you, aren't we? Yeah. We're going to see how much they clash. Cause, uh, Live storytelling. Because Lena is writing a book at the moment, aren't you, Lena? I am. Guilty as charged. <laughs> Can you say anything about it or do you think it's too soon? You don't want to break the spell. It's not autobiographical in any way. I have not drawn on any of my real life experiences in publishing. It's not about, no. it's not about 20-something women no. working in publishing. That would be outrageous. And frankly, it's been done. So... Uh, Lena started writing that and she's editing it at the moment. It's all very exciting. Yeah. Um, I'm mean, taking advantage of um, Jen's sofas. Yeah, she's slightly more comfortable than mine. Yeah, but, but, but I can vouch for that. We'll walk for sofa. Yeah, so Lena is writing her first book. I'm writing my fifth book. And, you know, Get not, not that we're counting Just cash. Just cash. Yeah. So we're going to write some fairy tales for you. I thought this might be quite fun. Yeah, we've so, done this before in our spare time, haven't we? We have, and actually I found it really productive. The one that I wrote the last time that we did this, I've actually turned into a story that's in my book, so. No way. Yeah. I just handed my name to my therapist. Oh, who knows what's going to happen now? So, yeah. do you want to roll the dice? I'm going to do it. I want the power. Lena's going to roll the dice also. It's all right. You can do them. Okay. It's very satisfying to hear this on the podcast, actually. Do I need to chant something? I don't think so. Do you remember in our Secret Garden where it's like, oh, great magic, please come to me? No. Send me my. Well, I, I should know that. I'm sure your listeners will. I'm sure, yeah. Send me your father here. Set your spirit free. Okay, okay so we've got. For the benefit of the podcast, yeah. we have a well, a little red riding hood type, or a person in a hooded cloak, and a cat. Yep. So we are going to write, how long are we going to give ourselves? 15 minutes? That's all we need really to make the magic, isn't it? Yeah. I don't want to overindulge. I no. have too many ideas. Let's keep it simple. So we're going to have 15 minutes to scribble some vague thoughts, and then we're going to read them to you. So Just we'll be it. back. See you in a minute. Okay, Lena, how was that for you? It was a piece of truffle pie. What was it? That's yeah. very twee. That's very nice. It, it wasn't. It was, we'll see. <laughs> I'm actually feeling quite nervous about this. I mm. feel quite It was harder than I thought. Oh, no, don't feel competitive. 
Well, no, but I don't intend to feel competitive. It's just part of me is going, oh my God, like, you know. It's hard because we're using the same elements. Usually we're just both writers. But this that time is there is the same. We had the same time frame. We had the same pictures. Fate has grabbed our hand and be like, you will write about this right now. <laughs> I feel like um, I might be the loser. So I'm going to say in this scenario, there are, aren't any losers. And it's all about playing the I game. It's all about taking part, right? Okay, we'll see. So are you going to go first? Yeah. You're going to read yours out? I might not be able to decipher what I've written. That's fine. We have just literally scribbled. We've it both take- got pens. Mine has a unicorn on it. So I feel like I have an advantage. It's fluffy Mine was a and bit purple. thick for my hands, I found, actually. I was getting That's a bit why of I cramp. have that one, because it's, it's bit, easy for me to hold. Without making it a euphemism, it's just a bit hard to grasp. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's they, like, stop being rude on my podcast. Okay, right, are you ready? Yeah. Let's true. not, let's not withhold the magic. Yeah, get on with your <laughs> <Okay>. story, Lena. <clears throat> there was once a cat who let his tail lead, so he called it his head. It would rise in the wind like a submarine spyglass and sense where the stories would be made. This was just as well because his head was full of tails, tall tails, rat's tails, slow tails, which he called snail tails, and tails that passed so fast you might call them a short story. So this cat with a tail for a head and a head full of tails was nicknamed Chance. He and his submarine senses would wander the land and lie, panther-like and patient, always within a ten-mile radius of where the next disaster would strike. Before Chance, a black cat was just like a white cat or a tabby cat or a Cheshire cat. But since Chance was a black cat, it came to pass that the land became very nervous about the presence of a black cat. One day Chance was lying at the foot of a mountain and from his happy mounted spot, he could see a little cluster of tents collected around what looked like a very old well. Not in the habit of interfering. Chance didn't even flinch when he spotted a little girl in a red cloak emerging from one of the tents and started balancing precariously on the wall side of the well. Chance pondered on the girl. She looked familiar, though he couldn't quite place where. She spun like a doll on a jewellery box, on one foot, to face him. He saw a smattering of freckles and deep blue eyes and he knew he most certainly had never seen this girl before in his head-to-toe life. What was the cloak, then? Was that what was familiar? He sat, still for a moment, ready to pounce on his own memory as soon as it stirred. Of course, she looked like the girl from the 2012 screen adaptation of Joan Harris's Chocola. Blimey! (laughs) He scanned the cluster of tents and scanned again. No chocolate in sight. After an afternoon of watching the little girl in the red cloak breach about eight risk assessment no-goes, this was a health and safety offset massacre waiting to happen. He approached the camp. Immediately, Johnny Depp and a good-looking Frenchman were emerged from the tent. <laughs> and what do you want, Johnny? <laughs> <laughs> you were intimidated, were you? No, no more. And what do you want, Johnny smirked? Just some chocolate. You see, that girl delights so deeply in dosy doing around that well edge, I'd hate to stop her, but I'd also hate for her to fall in face first. And so it was that the first happenstance was bribed into victory. Chance started to lose his nickname and instead gained the new title, Luck. Luck and his spirit could be bought, captured, bottled. Luck could even be a lady, tonight, given the right pair of heels and a good box of Mexican chilli truffles. Most important was that now Luck had all the chocolate he could wish for, he could finally have the energy to sit and tell all of the tales in his head. And so he began telling them. This being the first. Hey. (laughs) Hey. You know, I worry 
about what I goes lo- on in your head sometimes. <laughs> I lost it after a while. You know, we were like this cat was just wandering along, a- and then suddenly it's in Chuckala. <laughs> Why not? It's Johnny Depp. Mm. I'm more of a tequila writer. I just take shots, and then I can't just keep going. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, let's make a story. Oh, I've run out. Maybe that's what we should call it. We should call it Tequila Mockingbird. <laughs> should we call it that? Yeah, I think that's okay. That's correct. And it was very long. Mine is very Sorry. short, man. No, it's fine. I'm just, I'm surprised. I, I'm slow. What so can I, I say? So, should I do mine now? Yeah. All right. So, mine is very short. That's cool. Okay. It's probably a lot more focused than no. mine. <laughs> okay. I imagine it has a, a beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> I don't know about that. Okay. <laughs> All right. It didn't matter what was underneath her cloak, but that didn't stop them guessing. I've heard the cloak's her skin, one said. It's a curse, a bad one. I've heard that she's a con artist who keeps illegal potions in the lining of her cloak. She sells them at the markets for extortionate prices. I've heard it's a distraction. She's not actually there. Oh, and she becomes a cat a few times a month. A huge black one, I swear. No, she drags men out to wells just so she can drown them. She steals their wallets and lines her cloak with gold in skins of wolves. You're all wrong, says another. That's not who she is at all. I've heard that she's a spirit who farms cities in her organs. She wanders between towns and swallows her favourite parts. Her stomach is full of factories. Her lungs are outside parks. Her eyes are whaleless oceans and her heart a broken clock. That's the end. It wasn't very long. I love it. It doesn't rhyme at the end. It probably should. I was like a silly story at a pub and yours is like a write an essay on slut shaming and the girl with the red cloak yeah <laughs> i like the different outcomes i like i really like outcomes. this 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 like game because it's like literally identical circumstances that we've been given but also you're saying that yours was like drunk story in a pub these are drunk drunk people in a pub talking about her that's so true so you're like you're all like parodying <laughs> this could I, be a story that they tell in the pub cool i enjoyed that i enjoyed that too what's your favorite fairy tale do you think if you're thinking about... Oh, um, weirdly, I like Hansel and Gretel because I think it's a bit sick. It's a bit sick. I kind of like the sick ones. There was like, one I used to read I know. as a kid. All the, if you're talking about when I used to read them as a kid, I used, never used to read like the normal ones. I used to read the ones about... like There was one with a fisherman, a fisherman's wife who got so fat that she died. Oh, and I then he turned into one. a fish. That was horrible. But the fairy tales are horrible, and that's the interesting thing about yeah. them. I, I really like the Angela Carter collected fairy tales from around the world. There's one in Iceland mm-hmm. where... Um, a girl's boyfriend dies, so she makes him again out of blubber and rubs him on a vagina and brings him back to life. And then he melts <laughs> of in she the does. sun. I knew them. <laughs> See, that's what See, vaginas I've been Googling are for. That for weeks. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I knew that. I knew vaginas had purpose. Iceland, anyone? Yeah, let's do it. Please, please. Burial rites are there, isn't it? I yeah, it is. That. I used to have like Johnny Appleseed in my fairy tale book. I don't think that belongs there. And also the um, the highwayman. Yeah. I don't know. I had a bit of a weird fairy tale mm. book. The highwayman came riding. Riding. Oh, riding. The highwayman came riding. What is it? A big breasted Bess or something. Yeah. That's with her bosom. Really sexual. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I'm saying so like quick. <laughs> it's a podcast. They can't see you grabbing your own boobs. I know. <laughs> Unfortunately. Shame. Um, but I'd say like my, my, my favorite traditional fairy tale was Beauty and the Beast. Because I like the idea of there being three sisters and they all asked for different things for him to bring back. Mm. And he just, she just wanted a rose and she wants something simple. I guess it also depends what you call a fairy tale. Because I think a fairy tale is kind of something that sounds inevitable and is told in third person. Mm. So, you know, like, it feels like somebody omnipresent is telling it. And it's like, there was once a girl. 
and you always feel like you know how it's always going to end that way even if once you don't know why time. yeah once upon a time but it's kind of like always foreshadowing it always feels like there's some kind of deity not a deity involved but like there's always like something inevitable that happens it's horrible but inevitable like the little mermaid turning into like steam on the sea not steam foam yeah <laughs> science <laughs> somehow because fairy stories don't have authors they feel like they're everybody's yeah they are that is i guess that is a thing isn't it they're yeah they are available well, and we're discovering new ones all the time um recently i think there's two new collections that have come out there's tales of the marvelous and news of the strange which are this collection of 500 arabic fairy tales that were never heard of before mm. and then there's a new one that's come out german fairy tales i think which is called the turnip princess and other stories which came out last year with penguin classics i think we'll only know what our fairy tales are in retrospect but yeah i agree but i also think you're right it's the anonymity and we don't have that anymore because authors are so present yeah so it's definitely like stories we make up together but we well, don't really do that i suggest if you're listening to this that you go and google um fairy tale book sculptures and that was quite mm. fun because um they look like work by sue blackwell but she's never laid claim to them but either way she makes beautiful book sculptures as well but these were sculptures that were left at various points around edinburgh and libraries and in bookshops and delivered to authors and says this is a present for you and it was some kind of fairy tale structure that was made out of books and there was no anonymous at the time no one owned up to it no one said this is mine and it had that magic about it and I think everyone was kind of hoping on one hand that they wanted to know who it was so they could go and support them and buy whatever it was they were creating that was for sale and on the other hand people were thinking I don't ever want to know who this is because it makes me feel a bit magic it breaks a spell but then we're all each other's Santas, aren't we? <laughs> it's kind of like you want the other people to believe in magic, so you try and do good stuff for them, so they believe the world's good. Yeah, that's kind of depressing, but also beautiful. But it kind is of depressing. Beautiful. It's kind of dramatic. It's just that I don't know. Like if you don't want to lay claim to your work, then you somehow make the world a bit more magical. Maybe is that too positive a slant? Oh, it's that thing, isn't it? It's like oh, we're going off in all different tangents. Yeah, I don't here. know what's happening here. I quite it was like the it. philosophy podcast. And it was, <laughs> but if you think about Elizabeth Gilbert's TED talk, mm. where she talks about how Geniuses. it used to be that genius was something that came through you, and you created something that wasn't actually part of you, but it was gifted to you from someone else, and you were like a vessel, mm. um, for it to exist. And that was how um, magic could be created and works were revered. Whereas now, authors are everywhere. Um, like right here <laughs> in your face in your ears and um, we're creating things we're on Twitter we can be in book signings you can see us we're real people and I actually think that's quite healthy because I don't think it's always great to be give spe- a huge weight or superstition or fandom for something for someone who is working really hard to create something. But people make it so much about the author rather than the work. That can happen sometimes. In itself, though, I find that fascinating because I think, in a way, that's like our own fairy tale existence now. Mm. Like, celebrities and whatever becomes our king, become our kings and queens and we can watch them from and afar. And therefore public property. Yeah. That's so true. We've got into some oh strange God. territory. Well, how did we get here? I don't know. I guess what we're all saying, what we're both saying as well as lots of many other things, apparently. Is I'm that... having loads of realisations now. Hold on, I've just got to look into the distance for a little while. So Ella, she's over there, she's wearing a crown. Oh my it's gosh. It's days. But there's a if thing you, though, seen... you think of celebrity couples and they're supposed to live happily ever after, and then when they don't... Like, you're so upset, but because of what they symbolise to you, not because of what they actually... Well, if you think fairy tales in everyday life and our culture, I think well... that they are more intertwined than we actually think at first glance. And when you delve deep, these kind of 
images of good and evil and how we expect people who we don't really know to be and to act are really ingrained in our society. Yeah, to probably bring more depth to my story than really was there. Yes. <laughs> but hey, that's how authors make money, right? Yeah. Um, do you think that's why I brought Johnny Depp into my ridiculous story about a cat? Because to me, he is literally as fictional as the weird cat called Chance. He is like... <laughs> like I'm is, like, why couldn't he just appear? Is Johnny Depp your Prince Charming? But it's interesting, isn't it? The stories that build up our everyday lives. Yeah, like you're a fairy tale to me because really, how much do I? You know, you tell. I know what have you? What you tell me? You know, you could be. <laughs> well, I'm, a mi- I'm a mystical unicorn. Well, this is why I was telling Jen when I got here that I'd stayed up quite late watching a documentary about a murderer that lives quite near both of us. That mm. he's in prison now, but like it was a really interesting documentary, and I think I'm so obsessed with it because I was like, I want to know about the real wolf in our community. Mm. <laughs> I want to know about you know, where the evil is. Well, I don't think he is like, I think he is evil. I actually just think he's a little bit mentally ill. I think he's a lot mentally ill. He killed like a lot of people. Um, but also, is it that thing that you're like fascinated by this evil that's been caught and locked up because we want to think that we can capture evil and put it away somewhere in a box? Yeah. Because it's not living among us anymore. Genie in a bottle. And it's not in the everyday person. It has to be an extreme that we can banish and it's a story to me now and i live like two streets away from where it happened and i can just walk down that street and be like so how's all those people died yeah sick isn't it (laughs) it is weird because then you disassociate don't you Mm. you're like you know what happened near you but but it doesn't mean anything because it's over like relationships you tell tell yourself a story for a while You can save this for Valentine's episode. You're telling yourself a story for a while and you make yourself a character and then soon you realise. <laughs> some chocolate. So I think we'd better wrap this up before we go on talking for far too long. We've yeah, been but it turns out we can talk for quite a while. I was nervous, but actually. I think that Lena and I should do a whole episode of a podcast. Maybe yeah, you guys should. can suggest things that you would like us to discuss because trust me, we, we, <laughs> we, can, just we can discuss them. And we might start with what you suggest and, and maybe just end up somewhere else. Yeah, we we'll probably won't listen anyway. You can try it. <laughs> try try your hand at persuading me to talk about something focused but apparently you can't even tell a fairy story without bringing in chocolate oh my god oh i want some chocolate now though. i've been wanting chocolate for the past two hours no, let's go find some <laughs> go. okay thank okay. you guys so much for listening you can uh, go and find lena's channel over at youtube.com forward slash justice my frog mm-hmm. you can find my youtube channel over at youtube.com forward slash jen v campbell you can email suggestions for future podcast stuff to jen v campbell at gmail.com um or just you know leave me a comment or find me on twitter i'm everywhere really i'm just on the internet yeah you can just find me i'm there in Splattering. many different places <laughs> splatterings of jen everywhere shadows all over the place (laughs) it's creepy really Mm. i will speak to you guys very very soon thanks so much lena no problem no problem problem bye. bye If you would like to be notified of future podcasts that I release, you can drop me an email at jenvcampbell at gmail.com, letting me know that you'd like to be added to the podcast mailing list, and I will let you know when the next one goes live.